Christchurch, New Maldon, Sunday the 29th of May 2022, 11 o'clock service. Stephen Kurt speaking in the series, The Fruit of the Spirit, Kindness. So we're thinking this morning about kindness and I want to start by asking you to think about one or two questions. And the first of these is to think of the most recent act of kindness that you've received. Or at least the one that springs most obviously to mind when I say that. What was it? It might have been an action done for you, or it might have been a word spoken to you. It might have come from someone that you know well, or it might have come from a complete stranger. It might have been an act of kindness or a word of kindness that you expected to happen, or it might be something that took you completely by surprise. Try and visualise that example of kindness. Try and hold in your mind the person or the people who were involved in bringing it to you. And then think about the impact of that act of kindness upon you. How did that act of kindness make you feel? How were you feeling before that act or word of kindness happened? And how were you feeling afterwards? And perhaps the most searching question of all, why did it make such a difference to you? What was it about that act of kindness that gave it its power? Now that last question is the most difficult one. Because the power of kindness is deeply mysterious, isn't it? Acts and words of kindness are frequently quite small things. And they usually don't make the problems that someone's facing disappear. But they nonetheless possess this strange ability to make a real difference, don't they? Someone can be having a simply terrible time with problems that seem intractable, and then someone else... Perhaps someone close to them, sometimes a complete stranger, does or says something kind and it makes a huge difference. Logically, perhaps it shouldn't, but it does. Acts or words of kindness possess this strange, mysterious power to punch above their weight, don't they? To come into a really difficult situation and without necessarily or, or even usually removing the problem, to somehow provide a real difference by lightening the burdens that that person who receives that kindness is carrying and somehow providing them with hope. What is the answer to this mystery, this mysterious power of kindness? Well, the Christian answer is that this strange power of kindness is basically due to Easter and everything that followed from it. As uh, Katie was referencing the Ascension earlier, Ascension Day was the other day, and Pentecost as well when the Spirit came. See, back at Easter, we celebrated Jesus dying on the cross to defeat sin and evil and then rising from the dead to demonstrate that victory. And part of what Easter means particularly in the light of the ascension of Jesus into heaven and the coming of God's Spirit at Pentecost, what that all means is that a strange power has now been let loose in the world. 
as part of God's ongoing work of rolling back evil. And in line with the death of Jesus, that power isn't usually forceful or showy. It's not something that will normally attract attention, but it's nonetheless real and it's nonetheless transforming. Now, all of the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit come into this category. And that's because all of the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are part of bringing a bit of God's future into the present. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's task is to bring part of that future that God's one day going to give us in its entirety into the present reality of our lives. All the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit do that. And that's what gives the fruit of the Spirit their power. It's because it's something eternal which is coming into the present. That's why it's so powerful and transforming. But kindness is the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that perhaps displays this most. Precisely because kindness is very often so small, so unshowy, and so undramatic. And we get a really good example of what kindness looks like and also its impact, its significance, in the Old Testament book of Ruth, part of which was read to us by Bill earlier in this service. Now, the story of Ruth takes place long before the death and resurrection of Jesus, long before the coming of the Holy Spirit on all of God's people, and yet what the story of Ruth displays very clearly are some of the leading characteristics of kindness that the Holy Spirit now makes available to every one of us. So, the story of Ruth, it starts, you may well be familiar with it, with an Israelite woman called Naomi, who, because of a famine, moved from her hometown of Bethlehem with her husband and her two sons to a place outside of Israel called Moab, traditional enemies of Israel. But that's where they go and live. And here, her sons... Uh, Marlon and Chilean, they marry two Moabite women called Orpah and Ruth. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, then dies. We don't know why, but he does. And then shortly afterwards, Naomi's two sons, Marlon and Chilean, they also die. We don't know why. Meaning that she is left all alone. Well, not quite. She's left all alone except for her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who steadfastly refuses to abandon Naomi and whose kindness towards her mother-in-law eventually brings the most amazing transformation of both Naomi's situation and, beyond that, that of God's people. Now, it's a very short story, the book of Ruth. It's one that you can read in around 25 minutes, but it's a really moving one and one that's rightly famous and it makes a number of things very clear about kindness. And the first thing, and perhaps one of the most obvious, is this. Kindness can come from the most humble sources. This is in many ways the whole point of the story. Naomi's world completely collapses when her husband and her two sons die. And that's because in the world in which she lived, it was frankly men who counted. And yet the kindness that eventually transforms Naomi's life comes not just from a woman, not just from a woman who wasn't a blood relative of Naomi, but a woman who wasn't even an Israelite. 
She was a Moabitess, Israel's traditional enemies. Ruth, in the eyes of the world, was a nobody. And yet it's from her kindness and her commitment to her mother-in-law, Naomi, that everything else in this story springs. And indeed, the dramatic uh, things that happen later in Israel's history. After her sons die, Naomi does acknowledge the kindness of her daughters-in-law towards their husbands, who've now died, and also to her. But Naomi clearly expects that kindness to end, as it does fairly swiftly with her other daughter-in-law, Orpah, who follows Naomi's uh, instruction to go back to her own people and start rebuilding her life with them. But that kindness towards Naomi doesn't end from her other mother, uh, her other daughter-in-law. It continues from this unlikely source of this young Moabite girl towards her mother-in-law, Naomi. And really, it's yet another example, and they occur throughout the Bible, of God's willingness, in fact, God's eagerness to use nobodies to display his power. In fact, it's probably much easier for someone without status to recognise the power contained in simple acts of kindness. And that's an encouragement to all of us, isn't it? Particularly if we don't think that we're particularly brilliant or outstanding or powerful or influential or anything like that, it's a real encouragement to us to recognise how God wants to work precisely through people like us, perhaps through displaying acts of kindness. And particularly if how we started this morning, thinking of an example of the way that kindness impacted upon us, if that really did make you think more deeply about the transforming power of kindness through reflecting on an example of when you received it, are you ready this morning to receive a challenge to perhaps display that same sort of kindness more fully within your life as part of the ongoing work of God. Well, I hope so, because there's some more challenges about kindness coming along. Because secondly, the story of Ruth shows us that kindness involves words and actions. And both are really important. The actions in the story are clearly important. Ruth refuses to abandon Naomi, doesn't she? She travels with her back to Bethlehem and is alongside her, and often simply being with someone, making sure they don't feel alone. Often that companionship is the greatest act of kindness that we can make. But Ruth also employs words, doesn't she? She puts her actions into words with this famous statement where she says this to Naomi. Naomi really wants her to go back and start rebuilding her life independently. But Ruth says these famous words, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you, she says. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, it should say, will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And it continues, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, Ruth says, be it ever so severely, if anything, 
but death separates you and me. They are amazing words and they're very poetic and powerful ones, but we don't have to be a great orator to use words to show kindness to others. Very often the simplest words, things like I'm here for you, made with eye contact, with a willingness to show time, and perhaps with an appropriate physical gesture, can make a real impact, especially when such words are accompanied, as in the case of Ruth, by actions as well. And that's because part of the power of kindness lies not so much in what it actually does as in what it displays. Actions matter, but less because sometimes of what they actually achieve or bring about than because of what they display. They display that we care, don't they? Actions display that the words of kindness that we speak are genuine. And so it's very often when words and actions come together, that we see kindness start to make its impact. But not always immediately. Quite often people will display kindness without it making an obvious impact for a while, and that's because of a third point that I want to emphasize this morning, which is this. Kindness, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, certainly, persists in the face of discouragement. See, Naomi in this story isn't the easiest person, is she? Understandably, given what's happened to her. She does her best to stop her daughters-in-law being kind to her or continuing to be kind to her, and it works in the case of Orpah. She does persuade Orpah to uh, go back to her own family. And for a long time, Naomi appears to remain really bitter towards God because of what he's done for her. And not, it seems, very appreciative of what that God has provided for her in Ruth. So when she comes back to Bethlehem and the people recognize her and they use her name Naomi, Naomi responds by saying this, don't call me Naomi, she says, call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Lord has brought misfortune upon me. And look at these next words and think how Ruth might have felt if she heard these being said in front of her. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. I've got nothing. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord has brought misfortune upon me. So there's not, for the moment, it does change later on, but there's not, for the moment, any appreciation, seemingly, of what God has provided for Naomi in Ruth. Now, as I say, it's completely understandable, given the amount that Naomi has lost, deep in grief after the loss of her husband and her two sons. But it can't have been easy for Ruth to carry on being kind to someone who for the moment couldn't see beyond her grief. And yet that's what Ruth does. Ruth persists, doesn't she? She carries on, she goes into the fields, works really hard to glean food for her and Naomi to eat, and presumably she cares for Naomi in all sorts of other ways as well. And that is what genuine kindness does. It keeps going in the face of discouragement. And the reason why genuine kindness, kindness as an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, keeps going is because it's not dependent on appreciation and it's not dependent on positive feedback. Now, when we're trying to be kind 
to someone, quite often it won't appear to be appreciated. Sometimes that will be for reasons that we can understand and sympathise with. Sometimes the reasons for that will be less obvious. There are normally reasons for it, but they're not always ones that are evident. But when kindness is part of the fruit of the Spirit, it persists. And that's because this kindness comes from the God of grace. Kindness as part of the fruit of the Spirit is derived from the God of grace, the God who persists himself in showing constant kindness to us, usually in the face of a great deal of lack of appreciation and ingratitude. And so the challenge to us this morning from this, and I suppose a fairly obvious one, is where in our lives at the moment are we being called to keep going with kindness in the face of a lack, for the moment at least, of appreciation and gratitude? Now, it might be within our family. Quite often people uh, in their families are called upon to love and care and show kindness to someone who, for whatever reason, struggles to show appreciation of that. It might be that they do appreciate it, but they can't express it. It might be that they're so caught up in the problems they're facing that, that they don't, most of the time at least, really appreciate what's being done for them. That's a situation that a lot of people face within their families. But it might be that you've got a particular friend, a friend who's going through particular difficulties and struggles, and you're trying to be kind to them and you're not getting much back in terms of positive feedback, but the calling is to persist there. It might be that you've got a really difficult colleague at work. Plenty of people have situations at work where the relationships are a real struggle. And they know that they're called to persist in being kind, but not getting anything reflected back makes them sometimes wonder, why do I bother? Why should I show all this effort? But when kindness is part of the fruit of the Spirit, it keeps going. And that's because, through the Holy Spirit, that kindness is part of the kindness of God himself, which thankfully for all of us does keep going. If God's kindness to us was dependent on positive feedback and appreciation, it would dry up pretty quickly, wouldn't it? But thankfully, the kindness of God is not dependent on appreciation. And when kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, it persists and keeps going, hopefully receiving a bit of encouragement from time to time, but not being dependent upon that to keep going. And this really leads to a final point, which is this. Kindness can be, and is, used mightily by God. In the first chapter of the book of Ruth, God appears to be pretty absent. He's mentioned, but God does seem to not really be there in an obvious way. But in the very last line of that chapter, it hints otherwise, because it speaks of Naomi and Ruth returning to Jerusalem, and then there's a little line at the end, which we might think, why is that thrown in? What's that there for? It talks about them coming back to Bethlehem, and it just throws in this detail, as the barley harvest was beginning. What's that all about? 
well, it becomes very, very relevant. Because what we see in the next few chapters as the story unfolds is that Ruth, Ruth, through working in the fields to pick up leftover grains of barley, meets with a relative of Naomi called Boaz. And if you know the story, you'll know that after a while, they end up getting married. And they produce the son whom continues the family line that Naomi believed was lost. Ruth shows kindness to Naomi, and that kindness becomes turbocharged by God to produce the most amazing results. And not just for Naomi, but for Israel. Because the child that comes, the last line of the book of Ruth, which uh, shows that family tree there, shows that the son of Ruth and Boaz called Obed, there he is, went on to become the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. That's right, the king whom, as we sure saw not long ago, was central to God's plan for bringing his rescue to the world because his line eventually leads to Jesus. So the story of Ruth is one that displays really powerfully, particularly when we read it in the light of the whole Bible story, how human kindness from this nobody in persisting in the face of discouragement, how human kindness can be used mightily, amazingly, by God. And the reason this happens is not so much because when we show kindness, God decides to join in. He thinks, oh, that's a good idea. I'll, uh, I'll top that up a bit. It's not really so much at that as the other way around. Seeing kindness as a fruit of the Spirit involves us recognising that kindness is God's work that we are called to join in with. The whole story of the Bible is that of God responding with loving kindness to a messed up world, calling a people to belong to him who respond by and large with total lack of appreciation and eventually sending his son Jesus Christ whose compassion and utter kindness of course is met with cruelty and death. But as I said earlier, Easter reveals that the kindness of God triumphed over evil. It reveals that the kindness of God would ultimately totally triumph over evil. And ahead of that final consummation, that final triumph of God's utter kindness of love, God calls followers of Jesus to show, amongst other things, that kindness which can be part of God's rule advancing over the world. And that means that every single time you respond to someone in need with actions that help them, every time you find it in yourself to give encouraging and affirming words to someone who's really struggling, every time you refuse to abandon someone who is finding life difficult, particularly when they're totally unappreciative and perhaps even throw it back in your face, God's Holy Spirit will be building on what Jesus established through his death and resurrection. And what you do, or what the Spirit does through you, will be continuing the work of God in this world, ahead of that day when God's utter kindness removes every bit of sadness and evil from it. And that's our calling as followers of Jesus. It's not easy. It requires determination and persistence and patience. That's another fruit of, aspect of the fruit of the Spirit we'll be looking at. Or we looked at, didn't we? But along with other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, 
continuing to show kindness is because it's all part of us being involved in the work of God. The work of the God of utter kindness, who's in the business of transforming this world and who gives us, as his followers, the utter privilege, the exciting privilege of being part of that work. We're called, as followers of Jesus, to display kindness, particularly in areas where it could appear fruitless and pointless and unappreciated, because we're called to be part of the ongoing work of Jesus in this world, building upon the victory that was displayed at Easter. Before Katie comes to lead us further in prayer, let's just spend a few moments now in prayer as well. Earlier on, we thought about a situation where we've received kindness, but let's now think of a particular area or a particular person that we're being called to display kindness towards. Let's picture that person or that situation. Let's be honest about the struggles that we have in doing that. Might be lack of appreciation, might be outright hostility. Might just be really hard work. Father God, we ask you to help us. Because we're followers of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask you to help us to persist in showing kindness. And we ask that your spirit will work through that. We ask that you'd help us in our words and our actions to display that kindness that comes from you and which has your eternal power. you help us, Lord God, to keep going, to recognise your work which we're privileged to be part of. And we ask, Lord God, that it would have, ultimately, perhaps fairly soon, a very transforming effect in bringing more of your kingdom, your sovereign rule, into this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.